Hi, I'm Kina Spangler with TLC Barrels, and welcome to my podcast. Today is July 11th, I think. <laughs> it's been a busy, busy week with this weather in Florida. So anyways, um, welcome to my podcast. This is Q&A number 152. Um, it is basically made for my Facebook virtual coaching group so we can stay in touch and so you can understand my program a little bit better. But it's also fine if you refer a friend to listen to it because a lot of new members join just from listening to my podcast um, because they like my principles and theories and they'd like to have their videos critiqued and watch my training videos. So um, I wanted to go ahead and talk to you about um, a little story about uh, a quote from Benjamin Franklin about uh, failing to be prepared is preparing to fail. And I, I really do believe that. I can't tell you how many times I've had clients not show up at a lesson or a clinic because they couldn't get their horse loaded. And little things like that or, or um, do bad at a barrel race because you didn't prepare during the week. Um, you don't just show up to the barrel race or the clinic or the lesson without some preparation in advance. If you know you've got something coming up, you know, I'm one of those people. I'm not a last minute person. Um, I'm, I try to always be considerate of other people's time. I'm one to show up early. Um, that kind of thing. But some people aren't there. Some people are last minute. That's how they do everything. They procrastinate. They show up late to everything. You're someone who it's going to be really difficult to succeed because of your lack of preparation in your organization. So keep that in mind if you're struggling and you're that second person that I mentioned. Um, don't wait till the day of an event to prepare your horse. Start preparing a couple weeks in advance, you know, do the, the basics, the groundwork, uh, whatever it takes, the saddle time, um, the conditioning, the fitness, the care, the, you know, safety check. Um, my performance log also in the back has a checklist and you can even add some of your own things to it. It's important this time of year to make sure your tires are inflated properly, to make sure your bearings are packed so they don't catch on fire if they get too hot. Um, make sure your lug nuts are tight. There's all those little details that we just get so busy we don't think about. Make sure your wiring of your plug and your trailer is plugged in good um, so they don't come loose on the road. There's just so many little things you need to pay attention to detail. So I just wanted to mention that today. Um, and the topic today is going to be how to get mentally tough. And part of that is preparation. So I wanted to go ahead and um, talk about that today. The challenges for July for the members, um, for skill, I want you to kind of switch it up. I know nobody likes riding in Florida this time of year, but some of my clients in other states, Colorado and places like that, you're loving this weather right now. New York, um, you know, my northern, my uh, western states, uh, more north states, it's cooler. It's a great time to ride for you. Uh, you don't have snow to deal with. Um, so, and then those of you in the Southeast that are, you know, gutting it out because you want to try to keep your horse somewhat fit, even if you're not competing as often, um, you know, this would be a great time to the July uh, challenge is a summer series of loose rain and contact rain, uh, switching up things. So once a week, I'll be adding some drills to put into the group 
for you to try. This week is backing circles. I promise you on a, um, last week, uh, let's see, what was last week? Last week was the three circle drill. And, um, uh, so anyways, every week I'm putting something in there. So pay attention for that post. Uh, backing circles is pretty easy to do on an advanced horse or even a soft, sensitive, supple horse. But if you have a lazy, stiffer horse, they can be a little bit more difficult. So a lot of times you need to start with backing circles on the ground for rhythm. I'm going to post some videos in the group this week of, of horses that are more dull and then horses that are more sensitive so you can see the difference. It's definitely a more challenge with a lazy horse or horses that don't want to get back out of your space, things like that. So it's definitely worth doing. You want to start with energy and rhythm in on the ground, and then you can always make more contact or increase the pressure. In the saddle, you're going to try to start with just clucking and very light give and take rein and leg cues. Ideally, we want to keep the nose to the inside. You can use a pole or a barrel or a cone and try to back a five or 10 foot circle perfectly both directions around that object. And you want to have that nose in with your inside hand. Your outside hand also helps with the rhythm for backing. Your inside legs by the front cinch to control the shoulder. Your outside legs by the back cinch to control the hip. Everything's done with give and take. As soon as they take a step back, when you sit back, cluck, and apply hand and leg cue. Um, if they give a, a cue, if they back, release, do again, and just keep that impulsion until you can get at least a quarter of a turn. You don't have to get a full circle right off the bat, but if maybe you can start off with one or two steps and build to a quarter turn at a time and pause in between, all those things would be good for them. So that's going to be your skill for this this um, month of July is mixing it up between like loose rein riding and contact riding. Like next week, we'll talk about transitions on a loose rein uh, in rectangles and circles. And then this week is contact, like backing circles. And last week was the three circle drill, which would be also some contact riding because you're mixing it up lateral, counter arcing, and on the vertical. So that's good. And then for mindset for July, um, it's all about um, having that intuition and that relationship with your horse. So I'd like you to write down your principles for how you believe in training horses. I mentioned my principles in the last podcast or two, one or two podcasts ago. I talked about my principles and about trusting your gut or your intuition with your horses. And then remember that ties in with the book club for this summer for um, Kathleen Hagel, Horse Confidence. You can get that on Amazon. She's an animal communicator and really kind of shares stories right from the horse's mouth. So I just thought that would give you kind of a out, outside of the box and look at things differently, um, you know, about your horse's feelings on things and, and really trying to connect with your horse. And, you know, it can be the little details of watching their eye or their ear. Um, they turn their head away from you or towards you. Um, you know, all the little details, they're breathing. You, if you really know your horse, um, you know what they like or dislike. And sometimes it is rider cue in competition. It's not necessarily a bit change or change from left to right. Uh, a lot of times people, you know, want to switch a bit or change directions when it's really a foundation 
problem, um, you know, whether it be in the rider or the horse or even connection and, and um, relationship. So those are all things I want you to really think about for this month in July and write it down because it helps you remember. Okay, so um, I do want to remind everybody that you can search in the group or at the members only website. That's how I can keep my prices down. Um, you do get one-on-one -on -one with me with the video reviews, but otherwise I'm coaching to the group as a whole um, with my videos um, in the group and the members only and also with the Q&A podcast. So again, I don't have those fancy $100 websites and I don't have a $2,000 video crew out there videotaping me like Fallon Taylor or Clinton Anderson or any of those other guys out there, my website's only, you know, 60 bucks a year versus $100 a month. And my video crew is my redneck tripod that I made with a block of wood and four nails that I put my cell phone on. So, so anyways, um, I've often thought about going big or going home, but, you know, to put that $2,000 up front for a marketing team and then the $100 a month minimum, uh, it just would have to increase my prices and stuff. And I really have a lot of clients that are horse poor. You know, most clients are horse poor. Just going up and down the road, entry fees, fuel, chiropractor, vet. You know, I try to be cautious and, and considerate. I want to help everybody, not just the rich that can afford the, um, you know, the $100 a month subscriptions with, you know, one-on-one -on -one coaching and such. So, so that's why I'm trying to keep my prices low for everybody, but yet give you a lot of one-on-one -on -one as well, not just group coaching. So most groups for my price range is just that group coaching. It's not really the one-on-one -on -one where they review your videos and such like that. So, um, or maybe not even as detailed. So, so anyways, um, let's see here. So remember to go ahead and use that search box in the group or the members only website. It's all organized by topic there as well. You can ask me if you can't find something you're looking for. Um, let's see here. I did another video um, in the drill about uh, doing the four barrel drill or three barrel drill, all lefts, all rights. Instead of working from the outside, outside's great for balance, transitions, perfect circles and looking at your quarter turns. But I did a video in the group on doing it from the inside. I do inside when I have a problem with a horse or a rider that anticipates their barrels too much because inside will make you ride more from spot one to spot two better. And then it makes a horse go around the barrel almost two, two full turns before you go to the next barrel. And again, you can do this with three or four barrels, close together, far apart, whatever you think is best for your individual horse. Um, and it really gets, again, takes a little bit more of that shouldering, uh, wanting to drop in on you and make them respect the space from the inside, not just the outside. So change that up if you feel like you have an anticipation problem, whether that's the rider or the horse. Some riders start looking at the barrel two strides from the barrel or lifting that inside rein or looking down the neck. So working from the inside would be good for the horse that anticipates or the rider. So that's the other one that's in the video, in the, um, in the group, um, as well. So I will also be putting it in the members only. Um, I haven't done that just yet, but that's my goal. I got to get my July videos loaded, uh, into the, um, members only page. 
So let's see here. I also put in there circles in a circle. If you have a really hot horse um, and, you know, they're a nervous horse, you can do all lefts, all rights, and you can do like a 60 or 80 foot circle and then do five or 10 foot circles within the circle. And I did a video and a diagram in there of that. And that's really good for horses that are maybe your hot, nervous horses that need to relax and focus. Or maybe a young green horse that's spooky and not paying attention. That would be really good to get their focus on you, whether you're at home or away. All right, the first question um, is kind of a, a more of a, uh, not necessarily a training question, but something that a lot of my clients in the group deal with. Life happens to all of us. None of us are, are immune from hard times. And um, someone asked, how do I start over after a divorce? And, you know, um, I never thought I'd get divorced. You know, I was married 24 years. I was with him 26 years. Um, you know, divorces happen, I guess. You know, people grow apart. Things, you know, don't go the way you want. But any big change and what she means by starting over, she doesn't mean starting over in life, but how do you get started over in barrel racing? Any big change in your life will certainly affect your drive, your passion, and your goals. So having a coach or having a community that helps keep you motivated um, and also setting yourself a schedule to keep yourself disciplined, um, all of these things can affect your passion and purpose. Um, so it could be, it could not be divorce, it could be death, it could be someone died in your family or health issues. Um, it could be job or moving, financial issues. All of those things can certainly cause you to not stay focused. But remember, there's a season for everything. Even if you have to take a little time off, you can always get back to it. And like I said, start with legging your horse up. Start with a schedule at home, ride three days a week, and maybe tell yourself, okay, I'm going to haul once a month or start saying I'm going to haul twice a month. You know, and it, you don't even have to haul to enter. You can haul just to exhibition or a practice night. But all those things are going to start driving you to the thing that makes you happy. And of course, if it's finances, it's hard after a divorce to get back on your feet financially. That's going to take time too. So just budget accordingly. You know, you know, you have to get your home in order before you can get out on the road again. So the last four things I'll mention on that before the next question is say goodbye to the past. Number one and number two, find your personal joy right now, your passion, your purpose, your drive, that goal, and stick to it. Number three, write it down so you can set yourself a weekly or a daily schedule, whatever works best for you to achieve it. And number four, you've got to believe in yourself, stay positive, and take action. Those three things are so, so important. So that's how you start over after any hard life changes. And, you know, I had that too with my hip and my move. I had trifecta, divorce, move, and health issues <laughs> all at once. And I pivoted my business. So like four things. So anyhow, the next question is how to take off your trainer cap and put on your competitor's hat. And that's a tough one. When we train our horses um, ourselves, you know, it's almost like, you know, if someone says, hey, this is an open 1D horse, you just get on and ride. If you get on your colt, you're always treating them like a colt. But there's a point where you've got to cut the umbilical cord and say, you know what? I'm going to trust my training. This horse is working at home off my body and voice. I don't have to use a lot of rein or leg. 
I know it's seasoning process to get them used to new arenas, but I'm going to try to give them a clear go cue, a clear rate cue, a clear turn cue, but I'm going to let them work and not overhandle them. So number one is to trust your training and your preparation. Number two is to be assertive with your go cue, your rate cue, and your turn cue, because as you add more speed or as there are more distractions, um, you may have to be a little bit more assertive and, and, um, and it may happen sooner. It may happen later. Um, it just, you just have to kind of judge how the horse is listening. Sometimes we get to a pin and it's really hot and they're lazy. Sometimes we get to a pin and it's cool and they've got a lot of energy. Sometimes we get to a pin and it's really deep. So they're going to get bogged down or it's really hard and, and horses are getting by the barrels. So you really have to just be in the moment on that part. But what shouldn't change is your cues, your timing, position, as far as, um, you know, what the cues are, when and how. They're just going to change as far as like, oh, they're running hard, check earlier, you know, or communicate earlier because they're distracted, that kind of stuff. So the third thing is to also, this is really important, and this is going to be part of the mental part topic too, is visualizing and journaling um, and only changing one thing at a time so you know what's working and what's not. So that's really important. People suck at visualizing, and you really do need to, like every morning like when you wake up, even if you don't feel like it, just say, you know, God, thank you for this day. I'm grateful and thankful for everything in my life. Please guide me in my journey. Amen. And then, you know, then take that extra minute or two to after you do your quick prayer, just visualize yourself riding your horse correctly or do both of those and say a little prayer and visualize yourself riding your horse at the end of the day. Whenever you can take a few minutes to get quiet with yourself and get connected to your spiritual side and your um, and you're visualizing your relationship with your horse. Those are all really important things. And visualizing your run is really, really key to making improvements. Um, the next question is um, when to use straighter, longer or in and a in and outs, as well as circles and true turns. Those are all three uh, TLC drills to do on the barrel pattern. And um, straighter, longer, I definitely use that in competition, but I'll also use it on slow work to remind horses that we got to get all the way till my legs at this barrel till you, you uh, turn. So I can do that with a walk stop, trot stop, lope stop, or I can do it with transitions from a post trot to a sit jog or from a high lope to a slow lope. And um, it teaches the horse not to, to turn too soon. It teaches them to separate rate and turn. So I can use uh, straighter longer for both training and I always use it in competition. Now in and outs, I prefer to only use as a training tool and I usually only do it at a walk trot. It can be done at a lope. It's really good for those horses that want to drop their shoulders or get to a barrel and turn at their shoulder. Um, so what happens is you sit before the barrel in your normal pocket and then you pick them up and move them out laterally for a bigger pocket with their nose in, their shoulders going to move away from the barrel going in and on the backside spot one and two. And then you would finish normal. Now circles and true turns, I use number three. I use that again just for training. 
And I would use that to get a horse to focus on me. So if I have a horse, it's like, hey, there's a barrel turn. That's a horse. I'm going to go ahead and say, no, sir. Or if I feel him cutting me off going in or on the backside or the exit, I'm going to do circles around the barrel, usually five foot circles, shaping them and releasing them for nice lateral softness, but pulling with their shoulders, pushing with their hips. Um, I'll have a little weight in my outside stirrup. I'll mainly be using inside hand and leg for shaping and releasing. But I will circle that barrel with my weight in my outside hip and stirrup until I feel like they're, you know, listening. And then at my pivot spot between spot two and three, I'm first and third and at spot three for second, I will go to my inside hip and let them finish with my inside hip outside leg. And that way they're waiting on me, they're listening to me, and they're not just doing what they want when they want. So you can also do number four, a mix of them all. And you can mix it up and make sure you can do all three with them in training. But again, straighter, longer, always in competition. But straighter, longer, in and outs and circles and true turns. A mix of them would be great on the barrel pattern to keep your horse focused on you. The next question is deciding um, my goals with what association. Um, if I'm moving up from speed show and my horse is a novice horse. So that's a tough one. If you're moving up from speed show and your horse has only got a year under their belt of competition, um, seasoning is important, but also not pressuring them. And this can also apply for your three-year-old coming four-year-old or your four-year-old coming five-year-old that's been doing maybe exhibitions or small jackpots. Um, the next thing I would do is if you're doing exhibitions, Let's say for the Futurity Colt that's exhibitioning at Jackpots or the Speed Show Novice Horse, the thing you don't want to do to any novice horse or Futurity Horse is overpressure or overexpose because then they will get hot spots and you will start having alley issues, ducking the pattern, going up the fence. Um, and then people will start band-aiding the heck out of it with bit changes or going left instead of right. And, and you don't want to do that. When you have a hot spot, you need to slow down, go back to basics, build that horse's confidence back up and, and just back off um, completely. You know, make sure they feel okay. If it's just mental and emotional, you just got to back it down. So you really got to know your horse. And sometimes when you're starting off, you don't know what they're going to like or dislike. So I know, for instance, this particular person moving up from speed show has already gone to five or six different arenas for jackpots and their horse is handling the jackpot scenery good. So I would say I would join one association for the following year, and I would probably join MBHA, so that way maybe you can run towards year-end awards, um, year-end awards for your district or points, and then maybe you could qualify for open world or go to state, uh, things like that. So um, that would be an option. Um, and then you could just kind of randomly go to an open rodeo here or there in Slack. If you can request Slack over performance, see how your horse likes that atmosphere. Rodeos, the grounds are usually going to not be as good as Super Show or Jackpot. You have more distractions with bulls and clowns and side acts and ropers um, and crowds and noise. Um, Super Show, that's going to cater to the barrel horse. But remember when you do youth rodeo or um, anything that's a whole weekend, super shows, you also have to season them to stalling. There's more expenses when you're stalling um, 
You also have to commit more time. So you may need barn sitting at the house. So you have to look at your finances, your family structure. Um, if half your family rodeos and the other half doesn't, do you really want to spend the entire weekend away from your family? Um, those are all things you have to consider. Also, some horses hate super shows. Some horses hate rodeo. Um, it just depends. Some horses are scared and covered in closed buildings. Some horses don't like the adversity of rodeo where you can't exhibition. Um, you know, everything, it changes every weekend. It's a new arena every weekend. Where a super show, you make three runs sometimes in the same arena for a whole weekend. So that would be the order that I go. If I'm moving up from um, exhibitions or speed shows, I'm going to do maybe MBHA or jackpots first, and then second, maybe super shows, and then third, maybe rodeo. But I wouldn't do all three because, again, oh, the expense and also the running the legs off of your horse, also the mental stress. I would probably pick one association, like I mentioned, MBHA or something, or if you pick PacWest, Super Shows, or whatever, you know, whatever thing you want to go for, a buckle series, something like that, where maybe you get year-end awards or win a title for the end of the year if that's important to you. Some people, you're trying to develop your horse's uh, bloodline on their papers to make them a broodmare one, night, one day. So you want to go to things for, you know, your mare's equistat. So you're going to want to mainly go to bigger Super Shows, um, you know, where maybe if you win money, it goes on their papers. So um, things like that. So for, for their winnings, but, but, you know, or if you have a stallion, that's important to you. So, so everybody's going to have different goals. But for me, if it's a youth rider on a pretty uh, unseasoned horse that maybe is running two seconds out, I would certainly start at the MBHA jackpot level, and then maybe not commit to membership for super show or rodeo yet but maybe just try a couple here or there and see how your horse handles them and then chase points for one association so i hope that's helpful now to get into the topic for today how to get mental toughness many of you struggle with your mental game you either talk negative out loud or you um, see negative images or you say negative things to yourself in your mind um, so your subconscious is always going to try to match what you say. So for instance, if I say, don't hit a barrel, the first thing your subconscious sees is you hitting a barrel. But if I say, ride two hands to your spot, your subconscious sees you riding to your spot, you know, centered square up in the hole. So those are things that you have to be aware of that you're saying positive things. Um, you know, people need to say, you know, positive things about yself. I'm getting better at this. I've been working hard. I can feel myself improving. My horse and I, my horse is doing well. It's like you don't want to label anything in a negative way. Try to keep it all in a positive way. So that's the first thing you can do. Um, start there with, you know, your mindset. Um, number one thing is being calm under pressure. So how can I improve myself um, being calm under pressure? Calm under pressure is something you can actually practice. Like let's say your kids drive you crazy or your husband's driving you crazy or your job or your employees or your customers. Practice calming yourself down, breathing, counting to 10, getting relaxed. Or if you're in a situation that gets you tense, driving or riding or something, practice breathing and counting to 10. Get yourself 
back to a calm state. In my um, performance tracker, I have a mental page where you do a one minute positive sprint. Also, you notice if you're in the go or no go, you know, green light or red light mode. So green would be your focus, your calm, you're, you know, ready to do your job. Red light or no go would be um, when you're starting to have those negative thoughts, you're nervous and you can't focus. And that's when you need to get back to your trailer or get off your horse and just get refocused and, um, you know, do your breathing and then visualize your run and just focus on that, that smooth run, thinking of only one or two important aspects of your run. Uh, again, you don't want to focus on just one thing because then you don't see your whole run. And that's why visualizing is important. You need to be able to see your entire run in your head. The second thing is being unfazed by your competition, the ground, or the conditions. A lot of people lose the barrel race just when they pull up and go, oh no, so-and-so's here. Oh no, I don't like this kind of arena. Or, oh, that ground is not looking too good. So right there, you've already talked yourself into losing. So you have to try to be unfazed by that. You'd be like, all right, well, you know, I'm going to do my job and Trust that my horse is going to handle it, you know, and and, and we're going to learn from this and, and build off of it. So, again, put it to a, a positive. You know, I do this for fun. We're going to learn and just do our best and see what happens. And you might be surprised and win. There were times my horse, Briscoe, would warm up like a wild banshee. And I'd be like, oh, my God, she's going to be an idiot out there. And I'd change my mind and be like, all right, don't think about that. Just be focused. Do your job so she can do her job. And then she'd lay down one of her best runs ever. And that's because she was up and I got myself calm and centered and just focused on doing my thing. And she was already had her fire. So she was just like zing, zing, zing. You know, so that's something you can think about as well. So the third thing is focus. That's really important. A lot of people have blackouts. Um, they can't even remember their run. So you have to learn to have a concentrated focus. You need to be able to block out noise and negative around you, your surroundings, and just focus on your job. And that's something that, again, you should practice in your daily life. Like I said, you can visualize your situation. Visualize it daily. Visualize yourself getting there, being relaxed and focused, no matter what happens around you. When you enter and you check out the, the arena, the timer, the stakes, the banners, you know, whatever might be at focus, the alleyway, the ground, uh, and see yourself making a great run in those situations. And don't just see one part of your run. See your entire run from timer to timer. So um, the fourth thing is tunnel vision, being in the zone. So you should be able to get yourself in the zone in 10 seconds when you get really good at this. I've seen competitors, like I mentioned in a previous podcast, um, you know, in movies like Beggar Vance or um, the, For the Love of the Game, to clear the mechanism. Like they could be laughing and joking with other people and then boom, as soon as their name's called, they just clear out all outside focus and just see them. In this case, it's a baseball player with a ball and a bat or a golfer with a, a, a golf club and a stick with a hole, um, you know, to, to get their ball to. So they'd clear out everything except for that and then trust their swing. In your case, um, you would clear out everything except your zone of going down that alleyway, riding to your spots and trusting you and your horse's preparation. So that is extremely important. Um, the fifth thing 
And like I said, once you do it enough, you'll learn how to just breathe and feel your horse and feel yourself and get in that zone in 10 seconds. You just get really good at it. So you don't have to ruin your whole day by being stressed before or upset after. You learn to just let it go. The fifth thing is a winning attitude. Um, you need to practice. Uh, you need to, this is really important. You've got to practice during the week. You've got to care for your horse and condition them. Um, and you need to have a coach that will help keep you motivated and, and focused and, um, you know, and help you make small changes that will help reach your goals. And that's the thing about goals. You don't want to have like a massive goal where you're like, I have to win money today. Rather just like, okay, I'm going to have a smooth run or I'm going to focus on having clean barrels or I'm going to focus on pretty turns or whatever you're focused on. Make an attainable goal, um, a reachable goal, what you've been practicing for goal, things in your control, not things out of your control. You can't control uh, what the, you know, what who's going to win money that day. You can control making a, be, a a good run for yourself, making a personal best run or just a good run for you. You can focus on that. Number six, um, it's important that we always do the work. Uh, we can always improve and we can always learn. And that's something that, you know, as I'm getting back on Rocky, I'm finding a lot of little things that he remembered and did well. And then other things he's heavy and dull and pushy. And I'm like, okay, I may have to put him in a bit. I may have to put on uh, some spurs just for his slow work when he's being kind of dull to my um my riding shoes and my side pull. So, you know, these are just always something you need to be thinking, okay, how can I get my horse to be a little bit lighter and more supple and focused and, and things like that? Do I have the right tools? Am I using the right cues? Um, am I putting in enough time? Number seven, confidence and believing in yourself. So, so important. As I mentioned earlier, you really do have to um, have that uh, belief in yourself a positive attitude, and just be confident. How do we get confidence? We get confidence by just taking action. The more you do something, the better you get at it. And then finally, the eighth thing is learn from your disappointments, um, losses, or hard times. It's just a normal part of life, and we all have to deal with it. So I hope today's podcast was helpful for you. Uh, I gave you my top eight ways to get mentally tough. Um, with that positive mindset. And um, I'd like to go ahead and finish today with a daily prayer. And um, thank you all for uh, listening. And I hope it was helpful. Thank you, Lord, for all of our blessings. Forgive us of any of our sins or weak, weak areas that we may forgive others and always work to be uh, the glory to you, Lord, and pleasing to you. Uh, Please just know our hearts and um, our hopes and our dreams. And as we work hard daily, may we have faith in you that is what meant to be will be and that you are always there for us. I pray for all of you, my family, friends, uh, my TLC family. And Lord, uh, help me be the best. Help us all be the best that we can be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. As always, ride with heart and God bless.